You're listening to In Conversation, the podcast from Creative Coverage, with me, Tim Saunders. Today, I'm with the artist Trudy Barber, who is fascinated by the latest technologies, which started with a virtual reality installation for her degree. What is it about technology that so interests you, Trudy? Hi, Tim. When I did my degree, it was back in 1990, where we didn't even really have the internet at home yet. It hadn't gone into into the home. I started seeing the context of virtual reality and computer gaming coming becoming more sort of viable in the home. And I thought, wow, I'm really interested in the idea of these alternative digital spaces, in a sense, where you could create different forms of interaction. And I thought, wow, wouldn't it be really great to create a painting that you could walk into through virtual reality. And I I saw the the whole um, kit in 1990, 91. There was these huge big headsets that people would put on and you had to have this huge big computer that you plugged everything into. And I thought, wow, wouldn't it be great if we could really create these alternative three-dimensional interactive spaces to give a whole different context to how we look at the image, how we engage with the image and how we interact within the image. So I thought, wow, wouldn't it be great in the future we'll be able to to put say a a Van Gogh picture into digital space into virtual space and walk around it of course it was 30 odd years until that actually happened but I could see the potential of this uh, technology and it gave me a different way of seeing you know the whole classic thing of observational drawing all that kind of stuff the, the, the way we think in terms of seeing and how we interpret what we see I thought that this was a, an amazing environment to to change all of that because it was was just so exciting but at the time everybody thought I was quite mad because they thought it's computer technology what's it got to do with art and I was like yes this is a new canvas you can't ignore it you were a trailblazer and and look at it now I mean thank goodness we've got the internet how would we cope otherwise yeah exactly exactly and also particularly at this time of of COVID actually being able to connect in alternative digital spaces with other people is becoming quite at the forefront really so I think um, it, it gives you a different idea of the context of your relationships with other people but also your relationship to space and how you interpret that and that's what I've always been interested in and of course the idea of the body being in these alternative spaces is always really interesting because I was so um, into uh, life drawing and I still love to do it but in in the um, late 80s early 90s I did tons and tons of life drawing and I thought Wouldn't it be fantastic to try and get the body in these alternative digital spaces? And I looked um, sort of at the whole idea of how artists and their muses, how they had relationships with their muses. And I thought, wouldn't it be interesting for the artist to be in a digital space? And who would be the muse in this alternative space? Because you could make the muse yourself. You could create this individual out of three dimensional digital pixels. And it it just makes you think about these crazy things. And it was just fabulous. I still can't leave it alone now. Sort of 30 odd years on, I just, it's just still excites me. Are you a techie? Are you into coding and all of this? Or how, how does it work? No, I'm not a techie at all. I am a practical artist. I'm a traditional artist. I'm more what I call an analog artist because I do everything with pencil and paper. But 
when I go into virtual reality, there are these amazing different types of software that you can actually turn into your hand, in a sense, into a palette. There's a, a really fabulous piece of software and there's Tilt Brush and there's another one, Leap Motion, I think it is, where you put on your headset, your virtual reality headset, and you put your hands in front of your face and you see your hands in digital space. And you flick your, I, what I do is I flick my left hand and up comes a digital virtual reality painting palette. Mm-hmm. And then I flick my right hand, all the, my, did my, the, the tips of my fingers become paintbrushes. And I can physically, in the digital space, mix these colours with my fingers and then draw and paint with those colours in these alternative spaces. So you have to think completely three-dimensionally and you have to think in terms of a bit like a sculptor, but it's it's not being a sculptor, it's, it's sculpting with colour. I think that's the only way I can describe it. So it's absolutely fascinating and, and um, I love Tilt Brush, I love... Um, uh, it's Mag- Magic Leap, it's called Magic Leap. You can really play around with these. I, I, I think I've got a couple of videos up on YouTube where you can see me just having having some very quick, basic ways of, of looking and creating images. But just to create like the life drawing in this digital space is one of the things I'm really excited about. And, and also with the whole context of this, you can put sound with all of this as well. So you can create fabulous images and as you're drawing them in virtual space, you can have different sounds. So you could have different sort of scratching noises and different um, sort of maybe you might want to think in terms of synesthesia. You might want to say maybe the colour red sounds like, I don't know, C on a piano. So as you draw with the red, you could have this wonderful tone to it. So you can get people to experience all these different ways of seeing colour and experiencing colour and hearing colour. So I'm really interested in all the ways that we can engage with just being in space. How have you seen this technology develop in the 30 years that you've been working with it? Well, it's amazing. Um, When I first did it, we were making, we were using polygons. I had a whole team of techies working with me. So I would say, oh, I want to see this. And they would make it. So it was a challenge for them too. So um, initially trying to make a human figure, you had to get all these sort of polygons built together. And then you would say how you want this figure to look. And you would take like a photograph of a texture. Then that would be bitmapped over the polygons. So it's quite an elaborate process. And then, of course, if you're in uh, virtual reality, you're moving around. So when you're moving, you have to have the images where you are in the digital space actually catching up with you for frames per second, like film. And what happened with the first lot, oh my goodness, it was like, well, you would get this kind of lag. So everything would go jump, 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 jump as you moved your head. <laughs> and, and the details were, were really, well, there wasn't really that much detail, but you could get these kind of very basic images that you could move around but a lot of people started feeling you know motion sickness and stuff because you you, you know because you couldn't your brain couldn't ca- keep up with it and then then the machine couldn't keep keep up with you moving your head around so that was one of the interesting things and, and people were, were saying oh it's going to be like this it's going to be like that and so there was this whole hype 
about virtual reality. The whole thing just fell flat in the late 90s. But I still carried on because I could see how the virtual reality, when linked up to the Internet, could create a whole different way of of engaging with the the technology as a whole. I still stuck with it. And I found I interviewed lots of people who were engaging online with relationships. And I was trying to see how that would develop. It's been really fascinating to see how the imagery now has caught up with the hype. So we've got photographic realism in online computer gaming and virtual reality gaming. Mm-hmm. Um, we do a lot of the um, research at the university with virtual reality. Lucky for me, there's, there was one uh, virtual reality scenario that I was looking at. It was like a particularly miserable day here and here, you know, in real time. And I, I put the headset on and it was a friend of mine said, I want you to see this. And I put the headset on and suddenly I was in this beautiful little English country village and I was in a a graveyard of an old church and it was early morning and it was slightly misty. And I could almost feel the cool air. My brain was telling me that I was there. Every blade of grass was was just well it was amazing and I could walk around this graveyard in this virtual space and you know see the sun come up and there were there were crows and birds and I could hear them and they were all around me and then when I took the headset off and I found myself back in in the university it was like oh god I want to go back in this other place so it's it's really I mean the the potential for it I mean people say oh you know art is a form of therapy and all the rest of it I think the 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 whole context of virtual spaces can develop incredible ways of of sensing the self the way of lifting the spirits but then on in in turn the other the other side of that is you can make it very dystopian as well which is interesting it's just just amazing I can still see this the church i could hear the birds i just i wanted to go back in that place and not leave is it a worry that it might be addictive well i think it is addictive uh, computer gaming is very addictive and i'm i've um, i work with some phd students that are looking at uh, different ways of how uh, we look at arousal and pleasure within computer gaming for example so that's quite interesting because there's, there's now from, from all of this there's a whole wide range of cyber psychology that uh, people are studying and developing so you know you, you can look at a picture and you know think, think if you think like monks the scream and you think oh gosh that's quite terrifying that's really got gives you an emotional reaction with the the opportunity for the the, the digital context you could get the, you know that sort of uh, pleasure hit from the brain like people would like who like to gamble for example but it, it's really interesting and it's being studied a lot now because I think there's so much potential here and different ways that you get unexpected reactions to, to things so it's it's, it's um, a really upcoming uh, well it always has been upcoming way of uh, doing research but I think it it has a more intense application for visual culture. Do you feel it might have gone too far already though in terms of the addiction? Oh I don't know it's it's quite quite funny because you think um, can people be addicted to looking at paintings? (laughs) 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 
<laughs> you know, I'm going to get get my 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 hit of Leonardo da Vinci. Um, <laughs> you know, if it, only, huh? <laughs> yeah, nice, isn't it? Uh, but then again, maybe we could have all our own virtual art galleries in our systems at home, and I could uh, choose all the digital copies of my favourite paintings and build my own art gallery. See, there's something I could do. So if anybody wants to do that, let me know, and uh, we could certainly get kind of thing off the ground so i'm just wondering how viable this is from an artist's point of view you know is it possible to make money from virtual reality i don't know how possible it is to make money from virtual reality what you would be able to do as an artist i suppose is actually develop your skills through using virtual reality and therefore more companies who are developing online platforms and and ways of using virtual spaces might want your skills to demonstrate their software for example i think um you know as a consultancy context would be would be really interesting um but then again you know uh, there's always the 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 poor artists living in their garret i did that in 1990 (laughs) in a a loft in balham but yeah i think um just trying to actually have the digital the virtual object which is not tangible in the physical world, gives different kind of ideas to what you see as having value. So you've got, there are some computer games where you've got people who they, they, they have an avatar, they have their identity in a virtual game, and they will pay for things to be made for their avatar so they might want clothing or they might you know if they're you know doing some kind of battle thing they might want to buy swords and things like that so people do give value to this digital world and i think what would be really interesting is the way i'm going to put my futurist hat on now the way that we're seeing screens becoming thinner and thinner i could imagine in the future this whole wallpaper which is the digital screen, which could have sequences of wonderful digital spaces that are created by artists. So instead of sitting down and watching the TV, you might want to sit and just lose yourself in a three-dimensional space on your wall just as you move your head around it. Things like that, I think, would be the way of creating some kind of financial viability to be a virtual reality artist apart from doing things for movies and and that kind of thing but as a sort of a a, a digital abstract space you could make wonderful digital spaces on this big wall thing i've just made that up so i I, I can see how that could work from a, a satisfaction point of view you know when when you're in your virtual reality world painting how satisfying is it in comparison to actually doing it in real life well, it's interesting. That's a good good question. Um, I think, see, we see they're two different sorts of things because I, I'm a, you know, as I said, I'm a traditional um, drawer. I like to do observational drawing. So if I have the, a life model, I will have them in the studio and then I will draw them and, you know, spend hours with my charcoal and get all messy. Mm. But in virtual space, I I can't actually get a life model in there unless I create one or we get one, uh, an already pre-constructed figure in there. And then I would have to have a complete remake of my studio in virtual space, Mm -hmm. which to me is um, a little bit kind of not pointless, 
But it's something, I mean, you could do if you're in these sort of awful situations that we are in now and you can't afford to have a proper studio. But I think it's an entirely different way of making that creative process. I think being a creative person, um, you have this kind of fluctuations. You Sometimes you have moments where you can't do anything. You try and draw something and it, you just want to chuck it in the bin. It doesn't work. The thing with in digital spaces, too, is you can make a, a construct something and then you can delete bits of it that you don't like. And then that's kind of lost unless it's recorded and you can play it back. Whereas I think with drawing sometimes, because I don't like rubbing things out, um, with drawing, I like to see it as a thought process. So as you make marks on paper or your canvas, you can see the thinking process of the artist creating that image. And I think sometimes uh, the digital realm is a bit too slick where you can just you know, sort of delete it or undo it or, you know, that sort of thing. So I think, again, it makes you think differently. And it's the other thing with digital art, digital work in virtual reality is it's a performance if you watch somebody who makes work in, in digital space, they've got their headset on and they're moving in a space and you can watch them and they become a, like a dancing performance. But they're making their art. And I've had um, some people say they could watch me draw in VR all, all day long because I'm I'm doing this kind of it's almost like a Tai Chi kind of thing, I think, you know, because you, you're, you're doing these kind of movements to create your three dimensional image. And of course, with working with uh, two dimensions and stuff, I can get very aggressive. I can get very, very scrunchy with my with my um, pastels and charcoal. But it's not as performative as in virtual space. There's so, so much potential with it. And I think um, yeah. it, it can get lost in a kind of corporate world of, of stuff and in computer gaming. But I think, you know, in a fine art context, there are some some fabulous sort of installations that go on, go on in Japan, for example. You need to just think differently about it. It's just outside the box or outside of the headset and then chuck it in the headset. It's quite, it's, I just never get bored with it. So if, if somebody listening to this thinks, oh, I quite fancy a go at that, how affordable is it? It's it's come down a lot in price, actually. It really has. Um, you could probably get, you know, an Oculus Rift headset for about, I don't know, £300, £400. And you can add stuff to it as you go, you know, with the things that you put on your hands to make things move, sort of like joystick. There are streaming software that you can get. You can just pay like 15 quid for something like, or no, is it 24 quid for something like Tilt Brush? And you just access it through the cloud. So it's it has become really, really affordable. Well, you know, if you if you've got like 400 quid to spare. When I first did it in 1990, the um, company Virtual S that did it with me. Their kit was about £500,000. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's come right down in price and, and you know, you can uh, do it at home. And I've got I've got sort of ex-students who, are, you know, got their Oculus Rift or their Vive and playing games with each other online. There's all sorts of things w- with it now, really, from the theatre of war, which is often uh, played out in virtual reality before things happen in real time. Lots of sort of research scenarios where you can create different um, contexts and see how people cope with those contexts 
context or you can use it for training developing the the software and seeing how people use it because i'm i'm all for people getting software and stuff and then doing something different with it that was anticipated was an- anticipated to start with so there's a deviation of, of software and i think you're always going to get some somebody who's going to go into the back end and mess around with the codings and do something crazy with things i'm quite interested to see how that side of things develops so sort of guerrilla arts in virtual reality might be quite interesting to see that's a quite a wide application really oh yeah yeah it's being used for a lot of different things particularly from from things like helping people with phobias through to people just even well you see the tv shows and people just you know wanting to change their house or their garden you know go into virtual reality to see what it would look like if it was all finished i think it's it's a great seducer and i think people will try and live out their needs through seeing if they can experience it first online and before doing it in real time but having said all this stuff about virtual reality i still really love to draw i am so pleased to hear that yeah that will never die off for me just just have a piece of paper and a pencil and just having that experience and just thinking about what i'm looking at and thinking about the marks I'm leaving in real time that I can pick up and feel in real time is is still one of the most magical things ever. I agree with you. It's that that touch, the crack of the charcoal, the sense, the sound. There's so much that I don't feel IT will ever be able to emulate. Yeah, they'll try to emulate it. I mean, there are are people working on ideas of uh, touch and sensation, smell, all that kind of thing. But um, I I think what will happen is you'll you'll have more appreciation of the, the visceral art, the one that you can pick up and hold as people rush to go and get their big electronic poster or what have you. Mm-hmm. So I think our issues to do with value may may certainly change and also how certain images are important to us I and mean, what they tell about our sense of memory, our sense of self, because, you know, we're looking at personal taste here as well. So it's, it's a really it's going to be really interesting to see what's going to happen in the next 50 years sadly i won't be able to see anything but um because i probably won't be here all oh, no, i might be uploaded into digital space that brings me to another point if you yeah. think of a, a painting on a wall you know that that can be passed down through the generations you know if it's very good it'll be around for a very long time now what happens with your virtual reality painting that might not survive because of a software update yeah yeah i know absolutely i mean things might digital things might have a really short shelf life like or you might have to pay extra to keep it going yeah and they've got you then you see Mm. but i mean uh, my mum's an artist and i've got her, her paintings and and just to see those brush marks on that on that canvas is her touch and that's where it's it's very important that we don't lose that that context of art i'm really pleased to hear you say that because at the start of this conversation i wasn't quite sure you know whether you'd been totally swung over by virtual (laughs) reality it's uh, very refreshing to hear that you haven't been yeah, no, one one accentuates the other and vice versa. So you can't have one without the other, actually, I don't think. Great. I'm very glad to hear that. <laughs> oh, it's been really enjoyable, very interesting. Thank you for your time. That's all right. No worries.